about uh, 15 years ago, give or take, my niece Courtney had a beautiful wedding on the beach in North Carolina. The whole extended family was there and many of uh, Brian and Courtney's friends were there. I got to officiate at her wedding and after the wedding, inside the fancy beachside hotel, there was a dinner and a reception. After dinner, people began to make their way out to the dance floor, and that's when the party really got started. Now, you have to understand that I have a complicated relationship with dancing. I grew up independent, fundamentalist Baptist, and we were always taught that dancing is a sin. Some of, my, some of my mentors were fond of saying that dancing is a vertical expression of a horizontal desire. No, no wonder religious people have such a bad reputation. I mean, get a grip, right? But in any event, as a young person, I never learned to dance. And so now when I try to dance, I feel like the tin man. <laughs> to dance well, you need to be uninhibited, right? But I am very inhibited. So anyway, after dinner at the reception, as everybody made their way out to the dance floor, I decided to stay on the sidelines and watch others dance. After a while, my uh, nephew, Bobby, invited his little five-year-old girl, Cameron, to come out and dance with him. Her face lit up. Oh, my goodness. She was in heaven dancing with Dad, just like a big girl. And as I watched them dance and and, and the joy that they were experiencing. I happened to notice over on the sidelines was Cameron's little cousin, Megan, who was standing there watching with a really sad face because you see, Megan's dad is not in her life, so she didn't have someone to dance with. And that's when something inside of me, that would be the Spirit of God, <laughs> said to me, Jeff, you should ask that little girl to dance you would make her day. And I really wanted to. But I could not bring myself to do it. I mean, what if she, I asked her to dance and she said no? Do you know what it's like to have a, a seven-year-old say, no, I don't want to dance with you? <laughs> Wouldn't be the first girl who ever told me that, but do you know what that's like? I mean, what if she did dance with me and afterwards she said, wow, you're a really bad dancer. I was more worried about me than her. But thankfully, as I stood there hesitating in my cowardice, Bobby also happened to notice Megan's face. And he gestured to her to come out and dance with him and Cameron. So that now the three of them were dancing together. And oh, did they dance. It was beautiful moment. And I missed my chance to participate in that beautiful moment. How many beautiful moments will you miss 
in your life. Life is such a precious gift. None of us wants to waste that gift. Each one of us wants to rise, to meet our moments, to seize the day, to live into the fullness of all that God meant for each of us to be. But how do we do that? Socrates once famously said, the unexamined life is not worth living. So that's where it begins. The good life begins with the ability to do a searching honest self-examination again and again as we move through life. So in this New Year's sermon series that I'm calling Take Your Life to the Next Level, deliberately to the next level, because if the goal is to take my life to the ultimate level, we will fail in 2023. We're all a work in progress, but each of us can take our life to the next level. So over the next four Sundays of January... We're going to talk about how am I doing spiritually, number one. Number two, how am I doing personally? Number three, how am I doing relationally? And number four, how are we doing together as a church? Today, we're going to start with how am I, how are you doing spiritually? Because that's where it all begins. Let's start with prayer. God, We don't want to waste this precious gift of life, so please keep leading us forward. Keep helping us to move forward into the fullness of what you dreamed that all of us, each of us could be. Beautiful, wise, kind, compassionate people. In 2023, help us to take the next step forward. Guide us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Spirituality is the core generative force in life. It is the source of all goodness in your life and mine. Every good act that you or I engage in comes from what I would call an inner spiritual impulse. Now, don't confuse religion with spirituality. Religion is when people use their faith to justify their prejudices and rules to turn their followers into programmed robots. A programmed robot is a dangerous creature. Vladimir Putin the dictator of Russia, claims to be an orthodox believer even as he makes war on his Ukrainian brothers and sisters. This past week, Putin declared a unilateral ceasefire for 36 hours to observe Orthodox Christmas. In the statement that he released, he said, given that a large number of the citizens of citizens practicing orthodoxy reside in the areas of hostilities, we announced a ceasefire to give them an opportunity to attend services on Christmas Eve and the day of Christ's birth. So here is Vladimir Putin saying that he wants himself and others to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, before he resumes bombing their nurseries and schools and hospitals and power plants. No wonder religion has such a bad reputation. 
in Iran this past week. The mullahs, in the name of religion, hung two more young men who dared to protest that women shouldn't have to wear head coverings when they're out in public. No wonder religion has such a bad reputation. Anne Lamott put it this way. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. The Jones family heard a sermon at church the prior Sunday exhorting them and everyone to engage in lifestyle evangelism. And so they decided they needed to do something because after all, that's what the preacher told them to do. And so they invited their neighbors to come to dinner. As the dinner was being served, Mrs. Jones wanted to, to demonstrate to their neighbors that this was a household that upheld Christian standards. So she asked her young five-year-old son, Jimmy, to say grace. Jimmy kind of hesitated, didn't know exactly what to say. Mom, he said, I, I don't know what to say. She said, well, well, just say what you heard Daddy say at breakfast this morning. So he bowed his head and began to pray. Oh, God, we've got those awful people coming to dinner tonight. <laughs> it's possible to be deeply religious and still not love your neighbor. Religion is about learning rules and the right answers to doctrinal questions and feeling morally superior, us versus them, and doing just enough to avoid hell. Spirituality, by contrast, is about opening your heart to a God of love, receiving that love, sharing that love, and letting it transform your life. That is the point that Jesus tries to draw home, drive home in his most famous parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. Jesus tells about, uh, about a, a Jewish man who was mugged and left by the side of the road to die. And, and then in Jesus' story, he says, along comes an Orthodox priest who sees his dying fellow Jew, but, but pretends not to see him and passes by on the other side of the road because it's too risky to get involved. And then along comes another Jewish religious leader, sees the man, but again, pretends not to see him, passes on the other side of the road. But then along comes a Samaritan. You have to understand that in first century Jewish culture, Samaritans were regarded as having a false religion and not knowing the true God. But Jesus says, along comes a Samaritan. He sees this Jewish man of a different race and of a different religion dying by the side of the road. And then he goes to extraordinary length to rescue the man. And at the end of his story, Jesus looks his hearers in the eye and he says to them, it's the Samaritan, not the Orthodox priest who's on the path of life because despite his religious deficiencies, the Samaritan was connecting his soul to God's heart at a deep level and living it and letting it transform him. That's why I say spirituality is the core generative force in life. If we want to live our best life now, if we want to thrive in life, we have to cultivate, we have to open ourselves to living a deeply spiritual life. When we do that, 
things start to change. Jesse was sitting on the couch one day trying to read a book, but his little girl was bored and restless and kept pestering him. Finally, Jesse put his book down, leaned forward, picked up an old magazine off the coffee table, tore a page out of it that happened to have a map of the world on it, tore that page into multiple different pieces, handed them to his little girl along with a roll of tape and said, here, go over there and see if you could put this back together again like a puzzle. He figured that would take her at least 30 minutes. In less than five minutes, she's back and the map has been perfectly reassembled. Amazed, he said to her, how did you do that? She said, it was easy, Daddy. There was a picture of the face of Jesus on the other side of it. And once I got Jesus in the right place, the whole world came together. When we get Jesus in the right place in our lives, everything starts to come together. It's what Jesus meant when he said, Matthew 16, 25, those who want to save their life will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake, those who follow on the path of Jesus, they will find life. People who follow Jesus begin to find the fullness of life. It's what Jesus meant when he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's what he meant in John 10, 10 when he said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly if we want to thrive in life if we want to live our best life now we open our hearts and we begin to follow Jesus on a deep spiritual path and then that spirituality begins to spill out into the rest of life and starts to lift everything in our lives now don't misunderstand me. My point is not that everything comes up roses for deeply spiritual people. My point is that deeply spiritual people discover that even when life is hard and difficult, there is within them a spiritual energy that allows them to thrive in spite of it all. A case in point. Uh, a, a Pennsylvania pastor wrote these words. On the afternoon of May 2nd, 1990, I heard holy things. I was visiting Larry Hildreth, a father and husband from our church. Larry was in his 30s, but near death from cancer. I was at his home to serve him communion because he was too weak to come to church. Larry was a deeply thoughtful man, and as he spoke that day, slowly, deliberately, I realized I was hearing extraordinary things. So I started scribbling them down. Larry said, Pastor, even though I have a short time to live, God has given me great hope. He said, sometimes life throws us tremendous curves. But Pastor, death has lost its sting for me. At the point in my life when I'm weakest, I'm the strongest I've ever been. The pastor says when we started talking about Larry's funeral, he told me, I want lots of singing. The pastor says, I remember how Larry in worship would throw his head back and sing with gusto. Larry said, the only thing I want people to think 
on the day of my funeral is joy. And then Larry raised his hands to offer a slow, triumphant clap. When I pass into God's kingdom, Pastor, I envision this spectacular light, this spectacular feeling of being able to let go. I felt a lot of grief for my children, for my wife, for my family, for myself. But once you get past that, you know that God is there and there's that spirit of joy. It's going to be a happy day for me. No grief for me. When we follow Jesus on a deep spiritual path, we find within us a source, an energy, a grace that allows us to thrive even in the face of death itself. Spirituality is the core generative force in life. And so if all of that is true, it raises the question, okay, how can we access that kind of deep spirituality in our life? And that brings us to our gospel reading for today. You heard John Hamilton share it just a few moments ago from the Gospel of John, the 21st chapter. It's a story about Simon Peter. You know about Simon Peter, how he was uh, one whom Jesus said, follow me. And Peter made a deliberate decision to follow Jesus as a disciple. And, and Peter became one of the most prominent of Jesus' disciples. So much so that when Jesus reached near the end of his life and things were so dangerous it was Peter who said to Jesus even if all these other disciples forsake you I never will but then Peter went on to do the very thing he said he wouldn't when Jesus was arrested Peter tried to listen in on the trial but there was a young woman who recognized his face and said aren't you one of his followers Peter denied it but the young wooden woman wouldn't relent. I know I saw you with him. You're one of his followers. No, Peter kept denying. Finally, as she kept insisting he must be a follower of Jesus, Peter swore a curse and said, I don't even know this man that you're speaking of. And then he slipped away. In the aftermath of his great spiritual failure, Peter felt completely disqualified as a disciple of Jesus and decided that he needed to go back to his old profession of fishing. That's where today's gospel story picks up in John 21. Peter's on the lake. He's fishing with some of the other disciples. When he looks up and on the shore sees the risen Christ. Peter, the other disciples, end up having breakfast with Jesus. And after breakfast, Jesus turns to Peter and engages him in a fascinating dialogue. John chapter 21, verse 15. Jesus said, Simon Peter, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these other disciples? Now, to understand what's going on in this dialogue, you have to realize that in Greek, there are multiple levels or multiple words for love that represent different levels of love. In this statement, the word that is used is 
do, Jesus says, do you, Peter, agape me more than these? Agape is the ultimate form of love. It refers to unconditional sacrificial love. Peter responds to Jesus' question by saying to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Except the word in this statement for Peter is a different Greek word. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me with unconditional sacrificial love? Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I philia you. You'll recognize philia, philia as giving the name to the city of Philadelphia. It's a Greek word that refers to a lesser form of love, brotherly love, the love you would have for a friend. So when Jesus says, Simon, Peter, do you love me unconditionally and sacrificially? Peter responds, in effect, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. Jesus won't let it rest. So he asks him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And the second time, Peter says, Lord, you know I'm fond of you, philia. But Jesus won't let it go. So a third time, he asks him, verse 17. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, so you philia me, eh? He changes his word now. He mirrors Peter's word. Peter felt heard, hurt because he said, Jesus said to him the third time, do you philia me? And Peter said to him, this is his confession, Lord, you know everything. You know from my very actions that I can't honestly say I agape you. That all I can honestly say is I'm kind of fond of you. But then Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. You see what he's doing there? In fact, Jesus said that after each of the three series of questioning. Each time when Peter says, I'm fond of you, Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. In other words, Jesus was saying to him, Peter, I know who you are. I know you're a work in progress. <laughs> I know that you've not yet arrived. I know your flaws. But I, Jesus, love you unconditionally. And I still want you to be a partner with me in ministry. So I'm telling you, Peter, you need to get up, dust yourself off, and get back on the path. And keep going. I'm not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. And that's what Peter does. He gets up. He dusts himself off. He moves forward and goes on to become one of the greatest apostles, partnering with Jesus to bring the good news to the world, to, to lay the foundation that would change the world. And then when Peter was in his old age, his elder years, and living in Rome, he was arrested, put on trial, accused of being a follower of Jesus. Once again, he was asked, are you not one of his followers? And this time he was ready. Yes, I am. And they crucified him. Tradition says they crucified him upside down. In his old age, he had finally reached the level of agape love. He had finally lived into the fullness of all that God had dreamed he could be. And there is a powerful message in that for all of us. God knows that you and I are a work in progress, and God knows that we're going to fail, that we're going to make mistakes. But when we fail, we got to get up 
and we got to move on. The circumstances of life are going to constantly be trying to knock you off your spiritual path. The scriptures say the devil is like a roaring lion roaming around looking for whom he may devour. Life is going to constantly try to knock you off your spiritual path. In fact, if we were to map out the, the, the typical map of a spiritual life according to John 21, it might look something like this, a series of, of curly cues and up and down lines. And what this represents is that life is going to be constantly trying to throw you for a loop and knock you off your spiritual path. And each time that happens, you'll have the opportunity to get back up and continue ascending or to start on a downward path you will reach that fork in a road where you can go up or you can go down. Life is constantly going to be trying to knock us off the path. Sometimes in major ways, sometimes in the most mundane ways. This past Monday, I was in Walmart grocery shopping, and I picked up three pints of blueberries because I... I love a bowl of blueberries for breakfast every morning. I love my blueberries. So I had three pints of blueberries, and among other things, when I got to the self-checkout line, 30 people deep, about all of the lines were that long. I guess everybody was off because it was the day after New Year's or something. 30 people, Monday's my day off, so that's when I do my grocery shopping. 30 people deep, so I wait in line, and I finally get a scanner, and I'm scanning all my items, and I come to my three pints of blueberries, and, and they won't scan in. And then I get a, a message saying, wait for assistance. And then I got to lurk around and wait for the clerk to get done helping 10 other people and finally come over and help me. And she's, she takes my pints of blueberries and she tries to scan them in. And then she punches it back to a normal screen and says, go ahead and turns and starts to walk away with my three pints of blueberries. Spontaneously, I said, um, I need those. She said, you can't have them. That's literally what she said. You can't have them. I said, why not? She said, the number hasn't been entered into the system yet. And I'm thinking, why are you trying to sell me something that, I, that you won't let me buy, right? But I'm thinking that, I didn't say anything yet. I said to her, I, 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 what am I gonna do? She said, go back and get a different brand. I said, then I'll have to rescan everything. She said, no, we'll wait, go back. Okay, I said, so with 30 people now behind me looking at me, give, give, me, give me the death stare, I go back into Walmart, get my a different brand, three pints, bring them back, start scanning them in, and they won't scan either. I swear, this is true. So I have to wait for her to come back. She starts working with it, and she gets them to scan, and then kind of looks at me like, what's wrong with you? Somehow she got them to scan, the, this other brand, and I wasn't rude to her, but I wasn't nice either. She knew how annoyed I was. I finished scanning everything and I started out of the store. And as I was walking out of the store, I thought to myself, Jeff, you have been a follower of Jesus for decades. And all it takes to disrupt your serenity is a little mishap in Walmart. And I thought to myself, I am such a loser. And then it hit me, oh no, I'm wearing my Life Journey baseball cap. <laughs> the name of our church emblazoned on the front. If only I had thought to turn my hat around when I... 
So, do you think she'd ever want to come to Life Journey Church? Do you think she saw a light, a spiritual light, that she said, boy, I'd like to have that light? No. Another reminder that in small ways and large, life is constantly trying to knock us off our spiritual path. And when that happens, we've got a choice. Get discouraged and start on the downward trajectory or get up and dust ourselves off and she's going to get a big smile tomorrow when I'm at Walmart and I'll see if I can do better this time. Jesus tells a story about this too. It's in Matthew 13. It's another one of his parables. He tells a parable about four different categories of people who each make a promising beginning in their spiritual life. Three out of the four categories of people he mentions end up falling off their spiritual path and never getting back on it. The implication of what Jesus is teaching us in that parable in Matthew 13 is that three out of every four people who make a promising beginning in their spiritual life will not be able to sustain that path throughout their life. Look at the person on your right. Go ahead, look at them, stare at them. The person on your right. Now look at the person on your left. Stare at them. All right. The odds. <laughs> According to Jesus' parable, the odds are only one of the three of you will be able to sustain a deep spiritual path over a lifetime. That's a sobering statistic. All of which should cause us to step back and say, if spirituality, deep spirituality, is the core generative force in life, and if life is constantly trying to knock us off our spiritual path, what can we do to increase the odds that we can sustain that deep spiritual path in life? That's the last thing I want to cover with us today. What can we do to increase the odds that we could sustain a deep spiritual life over time. I believe a key part of the answer to that question is habits. Spiritual habits. Habits are a powerful thing. Depending on what research you look at, the typical person on the typical day, 40 to 80% of what that person thinks, feels, and does is controlled by habit. Habits are powerful things. Good habits lift us up. Bad habits can be a destructive force in our life. In our discipleship classes here at Life Journey Church, we often talk about the building blocks to a healthy spiritual life. Each building block represents a different common spiritual habit that great people of faith throughout the ages have typically used to feed their souls, to nurture their souls, to keep their souls strong so that when they encounter the ups and the downs of life, they will have enough strength, enough spiritual energy in their soul that they can sustain their spiritual life and continue to thrive. Those building blocks look like this. It begins with the foundation block, the D block, D standing for discipleship decision. 
Have you made an intentional decision to be a follower of Jesus? That's the foundation stone. That's where it all begins. And then all these blocks stacked on top of it in no particular order represent the various spiritual habits that great people of faith have typically used to feed their souls and stay on that discipleship path, stay on that strong path. The Q block represents quiet time, setting aside just a few minutes each day to center ourselves spiritually in prayer and in the scriptures. The C block stands for connection, fellowshipping, building friendships, spending quality time with other believers so that we're encouraging and learning from one another. The S block, service, serving God through the church and beyond. A couple weeks ago, it was late at night, I was about to leave the church at like nine o'clock when the doorbell of the church office rang and I thought, at this hour, who's, who's stopping by the church? So I sort of cautiously approached the door and it was one of you. And she said to me, oh, I'm here to clean the social hall. And she told me how her family had just got back from vacation and the next morning, they were leaving to go out of town again. She said, I didn't want to miss my chance to clean the social hall. I said, you didn't have to drag yourself out here late on a, I think it was a, a Tuesday night to do that. She said, oh, I wouldn't want to miss it. It's my chance to serve. That's what feeds my soul. And late at night, just getting home, about to leave the next one, she's in here cleaning the social hall because it feeds her soul. Service is one of those blocks that feeds our soul. Gener the generosity block, G block, investing our money in God's work in the world. The W block, worship, engaging in worship experiences. And then at the very top is the question mark block, recognizing that we're all put together differently. And so there may be something unique in you, something unique that you do that feeds your soul that maybe doesn't feed mine or vice versa. Here's the question. If you were to pick one of these building blocks as a place of focus in 2023 to something that you want to do to sustain or enhance one of these practices in your life, which one calls to you? Which one does God say, work on that one? Focus a little more on that one. Enhance that one. Because these are the kinds of practices that keep our soul strong. They give us the energy when life tries to knock us off the path. Take the W block as, as an example, the worship, the worship block. COVID is the great disruptor. COVID, dis, many, many people, not just in this church, in churches across the, the globe, many, many people who were regular weekly worshipers pre-COVID are not post-COVID because COVID knocked us off our path. Nothing wrong with that. That's understandable. But when we fall down, we get up, we dust ourselves off, and we get back in the groove. Because let me tell you something. When we gather here and when we sing together, we're not just singing a song. When a group of believers get together and sing a, a worship song, a profound spiritual transaction is taking place. Divine energy is being released to recharge our souls. It's kind of like your soul, my soul, is kind of like the battery in our cell phone, right? With daily use, the battery in our cell phone gets drained. It gets low. But 
you can go to Walmart and if their scanner is working you can purchase you can purchase a touchless charger so that whenever your phone is anywhere near that charger the electromagnetic energy from the charger reaches the battery of your phone and recharges it so that it's ready for another day that's what was happening here in the sanctuary a few moments ago when we were singing this is the air I breathe did you feel it the electric electromagnetic spiritual energy was thick in this place and if our hearts were open to it we were soaking that in the battery that is our soul was being recharged so that when we go out this week and face the ups and downs we will be ready to be strong and to thrive through it almost every week somewhere midway through our worship segment I begin to relax and open my heart and I feel that surge of energy so when we are worshiping together don't just stand there even if you feel too inhibited to sing at least do this literally or figuratively make this the posture of your soul be consciously in the receptive mode receiving into your soul some of the spiritual energy that you're going to need to charge back up and be ready to go back out there for some of us today the most important thing we could decide to do in 2023 by way of spiritual habits is to renew our intentional commitment to being regular in weekly worship when I miss worship for a week I feel it many of you have told me the same thing there's a reason why believers throughout the ages have gathered on a weekly basis for common worship there's something that happens when we're together that doesn't, can't be matched when we're by ourselves. But we're all different. Some of us may have that W block humming along well. Maybe for you it's a different block. Which one of these blocks are you most feeling called to focus on? Because when, when our spiritual life is engaged, it starts to spill out into the rest of life and lifts all of our life. Let me, as we wrap up, let me offer two options for continuing reflection on what we're talking about this week. Option number one is when you go home today, take a moment to go to lifejourney.church links and on our links page, you'll find a new link that's called Soul Care Assessment. There you'll find uh, a questionnaire that we have developed within the church that will walk you systematically through each of the building blocks for a healthy spiritual life and ask you questions about that. It's kind of a self-assessment form. So you can work through that and it'll help deepen your thoughts about where do I need to focus on developing a stronger spiritual habit in my life. Then at the end of that, you'll find a template that if you wish, you can fill out that's called a personal soul care plan. You see, religion is about doing what religious authority figures tell you to do. Spirituality is about taking charge of your own spiritual life. So you'll have an opportunity to prepare your 2023 soul care plan if you feel so moved. And then if you wish, up to you, but if you wish, you can choose to submit that soul care plan and I'll share that with the other pastors and we'll pray for you by name. Up to you whether you submit or not. 
but it's a way of systematically thinking through where am I in my spiritual life. The other option, option number two, is to register for Discipleship 101 Following Jesus because in that discipleship course, which starts in a few weeks, you can register in your worship bulletin or on the links page, that discipleship course will systematically walk you through those building blocks for healthy spirituality and with the group, you can talk through them, do your self-assessment and think about where you wanna head in your spiritual life. Because when we engage spiritually, it spills out into the rest of the life and lifts everything. All of the pieces start to come together. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. If you want to thrive in life, intentionally develop deeply ingrained spiritual habits. Be intentional so that you can meet your beautiful moments. Amen.